When explaining the expansion of God's dominion over souls, our Lord employed the metaphor of a woman adding leaven to loaves of bread in this gospel. I like to think that he was harking back to memories of his home life at Nazareth, where he would have seen his own mother making bread. In such case, what he said may have been intended as an oblique indicator of Mary's participation in the grace that's infused in our souls. But the mere mention of bread ineluctably brings to our minds thoughts of the Holy Eucharist, that bread come down from heaven, which gives grace and immortality. This Mass concludes our 40 hours devotion, a devotion which is nearly extinct in the modern church. Its annual return for our parish gives us an opportunity of returning to this fountain of grace and blessing for our people and to allow us some measure of gratitude for what we have. God is necessarily too great for us. More than we can speak of him or even imagine. I tell my instruction class, this is somewhat like trying to fit an oversized image onto our computer monitors. We can't get the whole thing to fit on the screen of our minds. And the more we reduce the image for greater comprehension, the more we lack clarity and focus. God eludes human understanding for the greater part. But by the greatest of all miracles, the Incarnation, God sized himself down to fit into a human nature, the nature he assumed so that we could take him into ourselves, into our understanding, that is. God in the form of a man, we might say with some accuracy. And in this way, we could put our faith in God incarnate and be saved through him. Yet this diminution of divinity, so to speak, did not satisfy Christ's longing to accommodate himself for us, not only by granting us faith and the grace of justification in redemption and through baptism, but also by changing his outward appearance into the Eucharistic shape would he complete his desire to fit into humanity by becoming a supernatural food for our consumption. This at last fulfilled his desire to be one with humanity by transforming men into members of his own body.
the, so to speak, reductive measures that God took for this wedding of divinity with humanity are shocking to realize if we ponder them. And a scandal, which literally means an obstacle for people who will not believe. For God to reside in the host requires a huge leap of Catholic faith, but one made possible by his divine gift. But our inability to grasp this truth in its entirety ought not to deter us from acceptance of it. Because even in the natural order of things, we can't adequately account for even the least of natural things where nature presents its phenomena and we must receive them with humble acceptance. And thus we have the scientist who must be docile and humbly study in order to learn from creation as is given. But when it comes to the supernatural things of faith, we might wish that we had the mind of a Thomas Aquinas or the spiritual insight of a John of the Cross or the penetrating love of a Thérèse Lisieux to grasp securely and completely the mysteries of the faith, and especially the mystery of the Holy Eucharist. But once again, the size of infinite truth cannot be taken in full by any human receiver. God always remains, in the words of Jeremiah, stronger than we are. It is on account of God's infinite majesty concealed in the Holy Eucharist that adoration is the appropriate and obligatory response to his divine presence. However, that propriety is not enough because we need to be motivated to adore the invisible God made man. We have to rouse ourselves by ardent faith and tender love in order to move ourselves to spend time before a motionless and fragile host. But once the reality of what this is has gripped us, we desire to adore God with an adoration greater than our ability and not less than it. As the once popular Catholic hymn stated it, Oh, had I but Mary's sinless heart with which to love thee, dearest King. Holy Mary must be our teacher of how to adore God more perfectly, purely, selflessly, and comprehensively. But this is possible only through humility, a virtue in which she is unsurpassed.
the boundless measure of our desire to adore God must always be somewhat frustrated by our imperfection. I recall what was related to me and to all of us in Catholic school by the sisters. That some non-Catholic Christian once said that if he believed as we do that Jesus was in the Holy Eucharist, he would crawl on the ground up before the altar. Our relative reserve, decorum, and sobriety in Catholic worship of the Divine Presence in no way conveys the reality before us. Even our clock time in adoration, so little, perhaps an hour, fails to express all we should mean to say of our love and worship and thanksgiving to the infinite God. But just as reason attains its limits in our understanding of the things of faith, so does our capacity for adoration of the divine presence have its limits. We should make the effort today in those limited means at our disposal to give the Lord his due in our prayer, our chanting, and our inmost words of affection for him. Although we can never give him all that he deserves, we dutifully take up the ceremonies of Holy Church with reverential obedience to its prescribed protocol and in this way proclaim what we cannot express in our speech or through demonstrative profusions of love. Our immense gratitude for the divine presence dwelling in our midst.